What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports' daily NFL audio show designed to hit your inbox first thing in the morning. It's the offseason. We're still rolling right along, though. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Before we dive into the football news and get to our second part of our mock draft, oh yes, part two coming up. We did part one on Monday. Ryan Wilson, myself, Tom Fernelli, RJ White, it's great stuff. If you haven't listened to the first part, go do it right now. Actually, don't do it right now. First, I want you to go win your bracket. And there's no easier way to win your bracket than with Sportsline.com. If you want to dominate your office, destroy your friends, destroy your coworkers, destroy your enemies... Use the optimal bracket. It finished in the top 5% of CBS Sports brackets last year called Villanova winning it all and their upset bracket called 12 of the upset bracket called 12 of 18 first round upsets by double digit seeds the past three years. Go to sportsline.com slash brackets. Use promo code touchdown and you get your first month for $1. Go do it. I've seen the bracket. It's very good. Um, it's not chalky. There's a sneaky Final Four pick that I actually like. And I was in a Calcutta last night, and I wanted to buy it. Uh, but my my the people I was in the Calcutta with wouldn't let me buy the team based off the sports line bracket. It's going to be a mistake. I'm going to, I'm going to haunt their dreams uh, and, until, until they realize they made a mistake. So go to sportsline.com slash brackets, promo code touchdown, $1 off. For your, or one of your first month for a buck. It's a steal, man. Let's get to the news. And then we will, uh, then we'll get to the, the second part of our mock draft. First up, uh, I gotta tell you, the, the Dave Gettleman stuff, this is, it gets more and more incredible every time he talks. I, I am, I don't even know where to be on this because I was all in on Dave Gettleman when he was at the Panthers and I liked the moves that Dave Gettleman makes. I like, like, right, Dave, Dave's, Driving some hog mollies. He's, you know, he's, he's not, he's a pinch of pennies. He's shopping at Walmart. He's being a, a reasonable GM and he's had some health issues and I get it. But man, in New York, he's just off the, it's like, it's like the scrutiny. I don't think that, I don't think Gettleman knows and he's been a punching bag the last few weeks. I don't think he knows that the scrutiny he gets in New York is the same. Like, like, it doesn't equate to the scrutiny he got in Carolina, which was basically non-existent. He could do what he wanted in Carolina, and then, you know, eventually would have Jerry Richardson overrule him and tell him to sign Matt Khalil. Whatever. You know, I, it's, it, there's multiple interviews out there. There's a conference call. I was going to rip audio, but I had a little trouble doing it. There's an interview with Bob Papa for Giants.com, which is just, like, Bob Papa's a legend, and he's a great broadcaster, and I would not besmirch his, uh, any journalistic integrity, but geez, Louise, like, well, you got Golden Tate. He's a player. I mean, it, it, like the whole thing is just a fluff party. And then they've got him does this conference call with reporters. He launches this long diatribe about how he called Brandon Bean just to joke with him about how they tried to trade for Antonio Brown. And then they had some discussions with the 49ers. And I appreciate that Dave Gettleman's open. And then, then John Dorsey called and he just frankly blew us away. And he keeps preaching about how, um, if they'd franchise tag Odell Beckham last year, that they would have gotten two first round picks if Odell signed elsewhere. He's not wrong. That's how that works. But here's the problem. They didn't get two first round picks. Okay. They got a first round pick this year, number 17 overall, which is not a very high first round pick. It's a definition mid round pick. 
and they got Jabril Peppers. And Dave Gettleman has been on and on about how Jabril Peppers is on his rookie deal, and he's great. And look, I like Jabril Peppers. He is on his rookie deal. He's going to be up for a contract in two years. You've already lost two years of control. That's part of the problem. That's like that's not a first round pick. He was a first round pick. He's a he's a he was a former first round pick with two years of control. The Browns liked Jabril Peppers. They did. Everyone in Cleveland liked Jabril Peppers. They you talk to anybody there. They liked him. They didn't want to lose him. They're willing to trade him to get Odell Beckham though. Um, and and so I. I also appreciate Dave Gettleman not blasting Odell on the way out. He could have done that. And I don't want to t- turn this into a Giants podcast. My God. It's going south, dude. But I mean, it's, it's just, it's just crazy. They're trying, they're, they're doing this spin zone stuff to try and explain why they traded Odell. Like, you didn't like the guy. We get it. Okay. You got, you got, you didn't get, you didn't get value in return. He's Odell Beckham. He's a 26 year, 26 year old Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame wide receiver that you could, if you were willing to really aggressively get out there and trade him, get two or three first round picks for him. He, he was just signed. And Dave Gettleman said, like he said in the interview, like, Oh, you know, the fact that he, uh, just signed even made it even easier. Yeah. I mean, I guess like, was he, he's going to get slightly more than Antonio Brown now. It's just crazy. It's annoying. Stop it, Dave. Come on. You're better than this. You don't need to do spin zone for this. You made a move. The move didn't, I don't know, it worked out, but did, I mean, maybe, I guess, we'll see. You don't need a spins in this. You're trying to reboot the Giants, but you don't have a plan. There's no plan in place. It's just a, a hob, hobnob, hob, like, like partially integrated action situation. It's, it's just the weirdest thing I've ever seen. We'll see how it works out. Meanwhile, in Washington, uh, speaking of the Giants, Jay Gruden apparently not consulted by the Redskins brass when they signed Landon Collins. He found out through the media, according to a report from uh, the sports junkies on 1067, the fan. Now that sounds crazy to, but it sounds crazy that Jay Gruden would know. It also sounds crazy that the sports junkies would find out. I'll vouch for the junks. They're the best. I go on the radio with them all the time. They, they said before, they were like, look, we're going to tell you this. The Redskins are going to deny it. Jay Gruden's going to deny it. That's fine. You can get mad at us if you want, but this is what we're hearing. We wouldn't report this if it wasn't true. I buy into it. I 100% buy into it. I don't think Jay Gruden's in on these moves. I think Bruce Allen's trying to make stuff happen to turn this team into an eight, nine win team so he can, uh, sell his buddy Dan Snyder on, on why the, the Redskins shouldn't fire Bruce Allen. Basically, that's how this is working. You talk about a division that's an absolute mess right now. If you're the Cowboys, or the, I mean, like, if the Eagles could catch a couple breaks, if Carson Wentz stays held for 16 games, Eagles might steamroll this division. Cowboys, by the way, interested in uh, Eric Berry. That'd be a really nice signing. Now, if they could get, or if they could have gotten Earl Thomas, that'd be better. But Eric Berry is a perfectly good signing. No problem with Eric Berry. If you bring him in with the Cowboys, that would be a big improvement. A couple other free agent signings or interest of note. Um, Blake Bortles going to the Rams. I don't know why, but it kind of fits. I like Blake Bortles in L.A. It's going to be an aw- awkward. Um, I don't know. It's not awkward. He's a good fit. You can, Look, if Jared Goff goes down for some reason, it's a massive nightmare. You can throw Blake Bortles in there with Todd Gurley, with those receivers, 
with Sean McVay. This is a clear-cut situation where in three years, Sean McVay trades Blake Bortles for a third-round pick, A.J. Feely style. And we're like, God, that guy's a genius. Why didn't Andy Reid think of that? Or He's going to be like the next Andy Reid wheeling and dealing quarterbacks or something like that. Um, Jordy Nelson, free agent, of course, cut by the Raiders. He's now drawing interest from the Patriots and Seahawks. The exact same two teams you would expect him to draw interest from, obviously. I mean, who else is going to sign Jordy Nelson? Slightly washed up. Great, you know, got great moves. A little bit of deep speed. Lanky white receiver. Possession guy. Yeah, perfect for the Patriots and the Seahawks. He'd actually be great with the Seahawks. Um, he'd be great with the Patriots too. He'll, he'll, he'll have a nice season if he goes there. I would caution though that many different uh, players, including wide receivers, have gone to the Patriots, and you're like, oh, this is going to turn out. He's going to catch, you know, a hundred balls for a thousand yards. It doesn't work out like that. Torrey Holt did it. Reggie Wayne did it. Doesn't always work out. So not a guarantee. And uh, ba- Vontez Perfect, Vontez Perfect, Vontez Perfect was cut by the Bengals. There were reports he could end up in Oakland with his old defensive coordinator Paul Gunter. That would make a lot of sense. I could see that happening. And it would uh, alleviate the Raiders' need, perhaps, in the second round, or the, late in the first round of the draft, excuse me, to uh, take a, 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 a linebacker. Mm. Maybe we could talk about that with R.J. White, Tom Fernelli, and Ryan Wilson, which is exactly what we're going to do right now as we get to the second part of our mock-tacular mock draft. Let's go. Hyundai's most electric EV lineup changes the way you look and feel about EVs, specifically Hyundai EVs. Hyundai's EV lineup has everything you've been yearning for in your next or first EV, boldly captivating your senses. There's the ultra-fast charging in the Ionic 5 and Ionic 6 from 10 to 80% in as little as 18 minutes. There's the fun-to-drive lineup and the tech-infused standard safety features like highway driving assist and blind spot collision warning. Plus, you get America's best warranty with a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited electric battery warranty. Learn more about Hyundai EVs at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. America's best warranty claim based on total package of warranty programs. See dealer for limited warranty details. See your Hyundai dealer for further details and limitations. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at 
at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. All right, pick number 11 on the board. This is the CBS Sports NFL three-day mocktacular or something like that. Myself, I'm Will Brinson, of course, Ryan Wilson, R.J. White, Tom Fernelli, still here for the second set of picks. Number 11, I am on the clock with the Cincinnati Bengals. I believe, did I try and draft somebody a second time with this pick too? I might have. This um, might have been the Haskins. This might, yeah, Haskins maybe this is, maybe this is when I tried to take Haskins. Um, and you I tried to trade Haskins for, for Kyler Murray. Yeah, that's right. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I like, I'll be honest. Uh, I panicked on this pick. I had, I don't know what, I, Cincinnati is so bizarre because, you know, they've, they've traded out coaches and Zach Robinson is there for Zach Taylor is there for the first time we don't know exactly what I, just, I always call him Zach Robinson we don't know exactly what they're going to do um, you know is Duke Tobin running things there I mean how much input is uh, the Brown family going to have in, in this selection do, what is the future of AJ Green and that was sort of where I was going when I decided to take DK Metcalf wide receiver out of Ole Miss at number 11 um, you know Tyler Boyd had a breakout year last year I don't think he's a true number one uh, AJ Green's presence this season would at least allow you to to kind of groom Metcalf and get him ready to take over. Green is older, and so I, I think that uh, I think it, I kind of like it. I don't I don't know if I love it, RJ, but but maybe the Bengals could take a wide receiver. Your thoughts? Yeah, I don't really love it. I, I think receivers <laughs> far far down on the edge knees. I mean, he he's a straight line runner. You know, he's not he doesn't give you the kind of things that AJ Green's going to give you. So I don't know how you develop him into a number one because I just don't think he has that kind of upside. Um, so yeah, I, there's different, they have a lot of holes, you know, as, as far as what people have done in free agency, they might have one of the most holes left in the NFL. I could see them going with like Devin White, an inside linebacker. I could see them going with a guard, you know, you can get Jonah Williams, put him inside a guard, get a Cody Ford, um, you know, a few other different directions. Um, I don't know if I'd have went with Metcalf here with them. You know, if, if you get kind of, your guy gets uh, stolen, you want to trade, trade down, you know, with that pick. And they have a ton of picks because they, they did well in the comp formula. Um, but, you know, so I think they might have like 12 picks or 11 picks, something like that. But who knows? You trade down, you amass a few more. Maybe you can get something from 2020 and improve your, your next draft class. And uh, don't force yourself into a, into a pick like this. As Tom, also very disrespectful to John Ross. Just want to point that out. True. Uh, as Tom pointed out during the process, like, you know, Will, you could have a list of guys from which to draft <laughs> if it worked. What are your thoughts on Metcalf, Tom? Uh, he's going to have my favorite mock draftable radar chart for all time. Yeah, Pac-Man. Pac-Man. <laughs> it looks yeah. like Pac-Man. <laughs> but no, I, I, listen, he's got some things you can't teach as far as the speed and his size, but the first thing you're going to have to do is teach him how to run a route because he really doesn't know how to run routes. He wasn't asked to really run any routes at Ole Miss. It was pretty much tunnel screens and nines. That was all he was running like 95% of the time. So he's very unpolished. It's just I still think that he's talented enough that a smart team can figure out a way to utilize him, not just you know as somebody who can help stretch the field that first year, but just – take advantage of his strengths right away while trying to make him an all-around receiver. I don't know if he's ever going to be a number one either, but I think he could be a solid number two. Uh, but- yeah, I love DK Metcalf, and I think Tom's exactly right. Um, I, I mean, he could be in, in going to the top ten. And, yeah, he was terrible on his three-cone and, and, sh- and shuttle numbers. But when you watch him play, they're not asking him to run crossing routes all day. That's not his job. That's what they had A.J. Brown for. And if he if you want go routes and him to win down the field contested catches – that that's a guy got to have. He's crazy athletic. He's whatever six three two thirty. He saw those pictures of him, and um, 
he, he feels like a top 15 pick to me. The uh, sort of breaking-ish news, by the way, in the, as, as we're recording this, but um, Ian Rappaport of NFL.com uh, writes that Mississippi State defensive end Montez Sweat, who rose to the national spotlight with his performance at the Combine, et cetera, et cetera, has medical news that may make some teams do an in-depth analysis. Multiple sources say that Combine doctors took a thorough look at Sweat because of a pre-existing heart condition. This is not publicly known before Indy. Um, when asked about his medical condition, his agents issued the following statement. Because of privacy issues, we are not allowed to comment specifically, but I will tell you this is not news. Montez is the same person that was medically cleared to play and dominate the SEC, the Senior Bowl, and the NFL Combine. No change in health and no change in domination. Um, would that make you pause, Tom, as the Packers, who uh, a few, yesterday, but a few picks ago, took uh, Montez Sweat at number nine? Well, they, they let him participate in the Combine, right? Yeah, it says that... Uh, ultimately, the combine deemed his condition low risk and cleared Sweat to participate. Well, then, yeah, I'm fine. I mean, unless yeah. I'd like to see the results of the test, and as long as they don't come back and say, "Oh my God, he's going to die imminently," I'll be fine. Right. Okay. Was this before or after the uh, the Bills traded for Antonio Brown? Uh, jeez. Oh, oh yeah, it took me a minute. Again. I was like, wait, oh yeah. What? What a forty-five minutes that was! Yeah, that was the greatest. That was the greatest six hours of, or like sixty minutes of my life. That was incredible. I think Tom's right though. He took part in the combine. If, if it's not news, according to his agency, we're probably obligated to say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, RJ, RJ, any red flags? I think there could be. Um, you know, obviously, without knowing what what those those health issues are, you know, it could scare some teams off. We know what happened to Maurice Hurst. Yeah, everybody thought he was a first round pick, and and the Raiders get him in what the fourth round, fifth round, just because yep. people are too scared to take him. Um, if it's something similar to that, I don't know if it is. You know, I'm not not trying to break that kind of news. Um, right. we don't know what it is, but but if it is something like that, you could see it scaring away teams, and he could fall further than than we would otherwise think. Um, you know, I wouldn't. If you want to take the completely safe pick, I think that takes them off your board. But this is the NFL draft; nobody's completely safe, so you got to take risk somewhere. And you're going to have have some type of um, you know capacity for risk when you're making these picks. Yeah, and the market, so in, but, in your professional medical opinion, I need a diagnosis right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm Dr. Nick. Hello, everybody. <laughs> uh, so I actually, well, um, RJ was talking. I actually looked it up really quickly. Uh, Maurice Hurst actually was sent home from the combine. Yeah, and apparently they knew about his heart condition. Back before he started um, in college, so I don't. We don't know the details. Uh, and Maurice Hurst. Maurice Hurst was like the Raiders' best draft pick last year. I mean, that's yeah. So right. So uh, Montez wasn't sent home as far as we know from the combine. So that's uh, one. And then Jay Ajayi was another. I mean, that's obviously not a heart, a heart issue, but that health issue comes up. A guy you think is going to go first, second goes fifth. You know, so these teams get to be really. You know, it's a pretty good tiebreaker if you're looking at two guys similarly and one has potential health issues. Take the other guy. You know, so you, there is a situation where he could fall from this news. Um, we just don't know. Not 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 having seen the medicals, we don't know personally. He'll probably fall right to the Patriots at 32, knowing Bill Belichick and how this league works. Um, Speaking of edge rushers and maybe a tiebreaker situation, Ryan, you landed another edge rusher at number 12 as the GM, Brandon Bean. You could be a Brandon Bean. I could see you as a Brandon Bean. Um, no? No, you don't fancy yourself a Brandon Bean? Mr. Bean. Um, you are the Buffalo Bills. You traded down with the Green Bay Packers in that, in that Montez Sweat deal, actually. Uh, who you got at number 12? Uh, taking Brian Burns out of Florida State. Who uh, played at about 235 last season, and uh, showed up at the combine 249. I think he ran like a 453 or something 40. He reminds me of Alden Smith on the field, um, not off the field. And uh, if you remember Alden's rookie season when he didn't start one game, it was just a situational pass rusher had 14 sacks. 
And I feel like Brian Burns can sort of he may he may not have 14 sacks, but have that sort of impact off the edge. Um, there are questions about his strength because of his weight, but I thought he played much stronger than he looked when you watched him during the season. And, and um, the Bills need an edge rusher. You could take any number of players. I've had him taking DK Metcalf, which it sounds like RJ wasn't crazy about, but also offensive line help and defensive line help because uh, Kyle Williams retired. Uh, I'm not sure, RJ, what you feel about uh, Brian Burns at, here at number 12, uh, given the, the Bills' needs. Yeah, just uh, going back to the Metcalf, now, my, the best signing of the, the Bills' offseason was John Brown because it kind of takes them out of play for needing that type of player for D, like DK Metcalf. <laughs> now, when I saw that, I was like, oh, thank God, we're not taking DK Metcalf at nine now. Um, I don't know if I'm in love with Brian Burns. I think he can do some different things. I don't know if he has the size that you want to put on that that 4-3 in Buffalo. Um, I would rather see him go to a team that would be more versatile with him and do some other different things. Um, if you trade down and get some extra picks and then you end up picking up an offensive lineman like Jonah Williams, you know, play it, start him and tackle, maybe move him inside to guard if it doesn't work out, then I'd be ecstatic, you know, about this draft, especially getting those extra picks. Um, Brian Burns is a good player, though, so maybe it works out for them if they go this route. You know, can always have can't can't have enough pass rush, can always have more pass rushers. And I'm looking at my needs right now. I do have defensive end, defensive tackle as a couple needs high on their list. So I could see them going in this direction. And think how athletic that that uh, Bill's defense would be. With Edmonds last year, Burns this year, I mean, there's sort of, I mean, good football players are important, but athleticism is right up there on the list. Yeah, and you, and you don't have to lock in like this is the type of player they have to take this. Obviously, if they see something like in Burns, they could change their scheme up. They could do some different things with them. That's not out of the question. You know, I, I don't know that we've seen that from them um, yet, but if they if they do want to do that and go the direction, I'm perfectly fine with it. If it if they're not trying to put a square peg in a round hole, I'm good. You know, I saw the Bills. Uh, I was tweeting about this with Evan Silva of Roto World, and um, he noted that the Bills over under is six and a half games right now. Or like that, looking like if it was, say, maybe he's asking if it was six and a half. What are your thoughts? I sort of like the over. I really think the Bills have had a quiet, good off season, and that um, uh, Sean McDermott, beloved on this podcast by some, disliked by one steamboat, uh, has do- does a really good job in sort of getting the most out of his guys. Do you, do you agree or disagree, RJ? I love Sean McDermott. I, I'm, I can't rank all the coaches right now. I think I'd put him in my top five just because they overperform with him. He's the type of guy that, that is going to overperform the talent. So if you give him the talent of a six-win team, which is what they had the playoff season, he takes him to the playoffs. You give him the talent of an eight-win team, could they be a contender for the division? Probably not with the Patriots there. You know, I'm not predicting the, the Bills are going to compete for the division title while Tom Brady's still there. But it's not out of the question. You, you know, you build your talent up to a seven, eight-win team. Then you get the coach, adds in a couple wins here and there and all of a sudden they're making noise in the wild card race, maybe even putting some heat on the Patriots if everything really clicks right. So who knows? I I, I love John McDermott. I think that that's spot on, that, that if it's six and a half wins, I'm definitely going over. My only issue with Sean McDermott, who you may know I went to college with, <laughs> and I great fondness for, I cannot for the life of me explain the Nathan Peterman phenomenon. Other than that, I have no issue with him. Okay, but see, like that's the thing with like Sean Wagner keeps pointing out. He's like, he – Bench Nathan Peter. He benched uh, Tyrod Taylor for Nathan Peterman that one time. It's like okay, he lost in the game. They were going to lose the Chargers in L.A. anyway. It was a stupid mistake. Uh, it you know, but I don't like that one mistake. Shouldn't be what defines Sean McDermott. It should be taking the. He brought him back this year and started him. Should be taking the friggin' Bills of the playoffs. But and you know, and you, you know what happens if you don't make that start. You know, it's obviously it's a bad start. We know that that was a terrible decision. He did it, but they know that Peterman was bad at that point. I mean, you could really see. 
them, you know, moving on a quarterback from Tyrod, trying to trade Tyrod, and then talking themselves into not needing a quarterback because we want to see what we have in this Peterman kid. He's torn it up in practice. He's doing really good. We're not comfortable taking a quarterback now. When they throw him out in the game situation, he throws five interceptions and a half. <laughs> like, okay, we're done with this dude. Now we got to go draft a quarterback in April, and then they go get Josh Allen. Now, I'm not the huge, biggest Josh Allen fan in the world. You know, Pete Briscoe is probably the biggest Josh Allen fan yeah, in the world. Yeah. But but uh, at least they knew at that point they needed a quarterback. So it helps in your decision making to to find out about Nathan Peterman in the second half or whatever it was, and you make that start. Now you know, okay, quarterback's a need for us. We can't put our eggs in the Nathan Peterman basket this offseason. Bigger Josh. Ever, go ahead, Tom. I was gonna uh, say bigger Josh. I was gonna Allen ask if Prisco or if anybody's ever pointed out the irony of Prisco loving Josh Allen when he usually hates running backs. <laughs> <laughs> and running quarterbacks like he does it like yeah. you got to win from the pocket this josh allen kid's killing it it's like uh pete yeah. he's with he's, his 48 percent completion percentage yeah who loves josh allen more tom pete prisco or, or uh dan katz <laughs> prisco yeah because his cats is full of <laughs> he's what He's full of uh stuff that's you know he's he's being sarcastic right, right. with that. One. But like Josh Allen really loves like Dan and and PFT. Oh yeah, they're friends. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. It's, but yeah, he doesn't think he's good. Um, nobody does. Ryan, you're on the clock again. You are the Miami Dolphins, the wheeling and dealing Miami Dolphins, dumping everything, signing Ryan Fitzpatrick. What are you gonna do at number thirteen? And uh, would Ryan Fitz would knowing when, that Ryan Fitzpatrick was signing when you made the pick have changed it? Uh, I've thought about it. No, I don't think so because this is your theory. This is a lot of people's theories. It's crazy that everyone thinks the Dolphins are, are tanking this year. I don't understand it. If you're hiring Brian Flores, the latest Bill Belichick disciple, I don't understand why he would agree to go two and 14. And you're not going two and 14 with Ryan Fitzpatrick, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you're going to go three his, and 13. Uh, well, here, here's the thing. It just came to me. His wins over Wilson compared to Tannehill. 2.3. So I think he's 2.3 games better than Ryan, T- Ryan Tannehill based on nothing but uh, hunches and, and gut feelings. But look, you start um, – what's his face? You start Fitzpatrick. You draft Drew Locke, who I have them taking 13, and you don't force Drew Locke out there, and, and that's fine. That's great. You, there's no rush to get him on the field. Uh, Fitzpatrick can do what he usually does. He'll be red hot for six games, and then at the midway point, you can bring in Drew Locke, fits and starts, see how it goes, and, and sort of ease him in two. Uh, your offense. The only issue with this tanking business, are you going to be guaranteed to get Tua or Justin Herbert or Jake Fromm? I mean, you, there's no guarantee. If you're interested or if you're okay with trading draft picks, if that's part of your plan to, to save the future, I guess that's fine. But it seems like you have so many other needs. Get a quarterback here. You don't know how good these quarterbacks are going to be. I mean, a year ago, no one was talking about Kyler Murray. No one was talking about Dwayne Haskins. He threw 40 passes in 2017. So a lot can change, and I don't know if it makes sense to bank on tanking for two or whatever the or the, the phrase we're going to use for Herbert. And, you're, and to your point, I think if the plan is 2020 for your quarterback, if you're the Dolphins at 13, you trade out of this pick, you trade down, you try to get some 2020 picks. That way if you do finish you know, number five, number six pick, and you're not in range for a quarterback, you have extra capital to move up You know, now that you have an extra second or an extra third or whatever you do. So that would be the play. You go to a team that has some some extra picks next year, you say, hey, is there a guy you're targeting right now? Let's let's flip your first rounders and you give me your second next year, or your first next year, however you want to do it. If you move down far enough, I mean, go down from like 13 to 29 or 30 and get a extra first next year. And now you're, you know, you got wherever you're picking six plus whatever that other first is going to be, you know, 27, 28. Now you at least have some, some, you know, wiggle room to move up right there. So RJ or Tom, I don't, I don't care. I'm actually interested in someone's opinion other than Brinson's going to know his. 
was Brian Flores convinced when he was hired that he would have to, to quote unquote tank this year? Do you think he would be on board with that? Or is this, how are they selling this to him if this is indeed the plan? Yeah, I, I don't think that they, they would have said it in those many words. You know, I think they would have just got his, when in the meeting, I would imagine it'd be more about philosophy. How you, what's your direction for the team? How would you approach practices? That kind of thing. I wouldn't say, listen, we're only going to hire you if you, if you, lose you know 13 to 15 games because then then to your point yeah he wouldn't have signed up for that so i really think it's more about that mindset and then on the the higher level the management level if you do want to trade your 20 your 2019 assets kind of eyeing forward to 2020 you do that and see how well he does with what you give him i just with drew with as far as the pick i mean with i don't know about my i don't know about you know whether brian flores is done or not i just i'm not a big drew lock fan I feel like we've gone from talking about Josh Allen to talking about this year's Josh Allen, although he's slightly more accurate. It's just I look I just looked it up now. In the last three seasons of college football, and Drew Locke's three years as a starter, there have been eighty-one quarterbacks who have thrown at least three hundred passes per season against Power Five teams. Drew Locke's on-target percentage with his throws rank seventy-second in two thousand sixteen. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. I'm sorry. I accidentally hit the wrong button. 48th in 2017, and his highest was 39th in 2018. So he's gotten better each year. It's just he hasn't been good any of those years. And I just feel like the one trait that actually is somewhat predictive of quarterbacks going from college to the NFL is their accuracy and Drew Locks has not been accurate in his time at Missouri, and I know he's got the big arm. I know he's got the right size. He's to me, he's like the perfect Denver Broncos pick, which is why you know I've, I'm not surprised he's always been you know a big fan of his. But I just don't like him, and I don't see it. Wow, dagger to Drew Lock. I like it. Um, is your is your is your entire construct of ripping Drew Lock based on the idea that John Elway likes him? No, <laughs> I didn't like him long before John Elway you know discovered him. I, I've it's. Again, it's his accuracy. It's it's not so much the completion percentage. It's just the ball placement is never there. He reminds me, ironically enough, he reminds me a lot of former Missouri quarterback Blaine Gabbard, although I think Locke has a stronger arm than Gabbard did. It's just the ball placement never seems to be in the right place. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Okay. I, I, I wouldn't want to take – Well, if that's something you value, then you better not draft your lock, I guess. Uh, who was it? It was, um, it's Mike Leach who's been in the, I know Warren Sharp was talking about this with him, but Mike Leach has pointed out repeatedly, you can't teach accuracy. And that sounds kind of crazy, but it's, it's not like you, like it's something that, you know, you can teach movement in the pocket, but you can't teach accuracy in terms of being a passer. And so that's sort of problematic. I- I think you can improve it if it's like a mechanical problem. Sure. I think if you can work on a dude's footwork and mechanics, you can help improve his accuracy. It's just if if they're not mecha- if he if he doesn't have any glaring flaw as a thrower and he's not accurate, it's probably not going to get any better. Yeah. Also, if you need to like totally rework a quarterback's mechanics, eh, maybe you're maybe you're taking a bigger risk than you necessarily need to going into the draft of the first round pick. RJ, you're on the clock at number fourteen. You're the Atlanta Falcons. Desperate Dan Quinn, badly needing uh, an impact player to win this year. Yeah, I think this is definitely going to go on the defensive side of the ball. If I'm the Falcons, I'm happy that Cleveland Furls got to me. Uh, you know, a lot of the buzz has been surrounding around Montez Sweat with his combine. Brian Burns looks like a stud athlete. And kind of Cleveland Farrell gets lost in, in the mix. But he's, a, you know, more proven than those guys. Great production for a, for a top-notch program at Clemson. 11.5 sacks last year, 19.5 tackles for loss. I mean, if Mo- if Montez Sweat had those kind of numbers, where, how high would he be going? Would he be in that Josh Allen range? You know, I kind of think that, that he would. I think he's a great fit in a 4-3. He's as good defending the run as the 
pass. And that's really key if you want a guy to come in and start immediately on your line, which I do think Atlanta would want to do, have come in and, and have him play on all three downs. So I think it's a great fit for Atlanta. I, you know, I would be happy if he got down this far. I agree. Uh, Tom, what's your take on, I know Chip Patterson, your colleague and our friend, has been in here on this podcast banging the table for these Clemson guys and Cleveland Farrell and the, you know, the long, he's been there for so long and he's had the college production. What's your thoughts on Farrell as a, as an impact player at the NFL level? I think he's good. I, I think that he's going to be, I think he's getting drafted in the right spot here as far as what his talent is and what his potential is on the next level. But I think that he's a very good fit for Atlanta. I think that if you're looking for a guy who can get after the quarterback and, you know, also get into the backfield and kind of disrupt the running game, I think Farrell's very well rounded in that. I think that pass rushing is still going to be his strength, but I just think that from, you know, side to side, everybody that's on that Clemson defensive line the last few years is going to be a solid NFL pro. They might not be the all pro. They might not end up in the Hall of Fame. They might not be as dominant as they were on the college level. It's just there's too much talent and they've been too well coached during their time at Clemson. And I think that's something that often gets overlooked. They have Brent Venables is a fantastic teacher of defensive linemen. And if I'm taking a defensive lineman or an edge rusher from Clemson, I'm going to be pretty confident that at the very minimum, he's going to be an above average starter for me. If I'm the Redskins, I would rather take Clemson guys than Alabama guys. But yeah, you know, whatever, whatever floats your boat, Washington. Um, speaking of Washington, you are on the clock with the Washington Redskins. Tom, what you got at number 15 overall? I am taking a wide receiver. I am go, I feel like, you know, the Redskins could use some help in that department. They don't really have one. And I am taking from Arizona State, Nikhil Harry, who I think could prove to be the top receiver in this class. I just, I like a lot about him. He's got good hands. He's very good tracking the ball in the air. He can go up and get it, you know, get when he's contested. And I think that of a lot of these guys, he's probably one of the better route runners that we're seeing in this class of dudes that are coming out this year, because we see a lot and you see a lot in a lot of college spread offenses where guys aren't really run to ask a lot of the route trees with Herm Edwards, I think coming to Arizona state this year, I think that did good for Harry because he was asked to run in more of a pro style kind of offense based on what Herm Edwards, you know, from his NFL experience. So I think that helped make him well-rounded. I thought he was talented last year and that he was a kid that was going to end up in the NFL. It's just, I thought he took a big step forward on the field as just as a complete wide receiver last season. And I think he's a dude that I think Washington was maybe hoping Josh Dotson would be, except he actually mm. will be that player. Interesting. I like that. I mean, they, look, they need wide receiver. Jameson Crowder gone to the Jets. Um, they are, this Redskins team looks like it could just be terrible. I'm on the clock with the Carolina Panthers. I had penciled in to take, uh, Garrett Bradbury, the center out of NC State, because you know, hashtag Brinson, Branson, whatever it is. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Panthers decided to sign Matt Paradis out of, uh, Denver, the free agent. That probably takes him out of the running for Bradbury. And instead, I went with the position that I don't think is necessarily a need per se. Like, the Panthers really need edge rusher. And if they were smart, they might, they might even trade up. Like, Cleveland Farrell is a best case scenario for them, I think, at number 16. Um, instead, as you pointed out, Tom, uh, Clemson guy is probably good for that side, side to side on that, on that defensive line. I really like Dexter Lawrence and what he can do on the interior. Uh, Don Terry Poe is is not locked into Carolina for the long haul, and Kawan Short, good player, but in, on, on a contract. But you know, at some point, you're going to need some more talent on the defensive line, rather than reach for an edge rusher here. And I'm not sure that there's another 
really good edge rusher that's worthy of a first round pick. Um, other than, you know, we've already seen five off the board in, in Bosa, Allen, Sweat, Burns, and, and Farrell. And I would take one, or in Rashawn Gary too, um, at Oliver even. I would take one of those guys maybe instead of him, but I'm fine taking Dexter Lawrence at 16. Um, any thoughts on that, Tom, as, a, as, a, as another Clemson product? Uh, I think it's a good pick, especially this value at this part of the draft. He's the concern with Dexter is he's, like I talked about with Ed Oliver earlier. I look, Dexter gets tired. He gets worn out. You know, he's he's not a tiny man. He is <laughs> not. But, tiny man. Yeah, yeah, he's he, you're going to need to rotate about. I don't know if you're going to want him in there at all three downs. And I think he'd probably if you're taking Dexter Lawrence, he's odds are he's coming out on third down anyway, because he's not a great pass rusher. He's more of a guy who can clog things up in the middle and really wreck you know, havoc against the run game, but he's just, he's very strong. I think he's got great hands and he's very, he uses them very well. And I think he's just for a guy, his size, his ability to move and kind of just be in control of his body is very, you know, something that I think is very useful too. I I think this is a good pick, but like I said, I, I love all the Clemson defensive linemen. This really wouldn't be the first time, you know, Carolina takes a defensive tackle when they don't, that's not their biggest need. You know, they took Vernon Butler a few years ago and everybody was like, what do you, you know, you have two great defensive tackles already and Latula Lay and K1 Short, K1 Short. Um, you know, why are you taking this dude? And so I think it would be right in uh, their wheelhouse to make this pick. Um, yeah, I, no, I, I think, of, look, I, Carolina is a little bit different. You know, you can't, can't exactly think about what Dave Gettleman did either. You know, you gotta go back and look at Marty Herney. He showed a willingness to trade around in the first round, so I wouldn't be surprised if he moved up. Uh, but I think that this, a local product like this, somebody they can put in the middle to help, uh, rush the passer on the interior and, and really stop the run would benefit them. I'm on the clock again at number 17, the Oakland Raiders. Of course, I traded up to 17 from 24 with RJ, who is the Giants. Uh, and in this spot, I'm gonna take the other Iowa tight end, Noah Fant. I know that the Raiders plan appears to be that they're going to, uh, use Utilize the free agency to build to build up their offense, and then use their three first round picks to try and beef up their defense. But I like the idea of adding one more playmaker for Derek Carr. I think when you you know look if you've got this group of if you got Noah Fant, Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams, uh, did they sign somebody else that I'm forgetting about in in the last like three days or something like that? But it, regardless, that's a JJ really, Nelson. JJ Nelson, yeah, there you go, JJ Nelson. That's a, a really, game changer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't have taken Noah Fan if I'd known that they had JJ Nelson. Uh, no, th- th- you know, this is this is the sort of guy that is so a- it's like perfect for John Gruden, athletic, um, you know, freakish testing numbers at the combine for Fant. Um, I get people prefer Hawkinson to Fant. That's fine, but I think Fant uh, is still a good pick here. Any thoughts on that? Anybody? Jared Cook's gone. He's 32 years old. He led the team in receptions last year with 68. I think we said on a few podcasts ago he had over 100 targets. So. Yeah, why not fill that void with the most athletic tight end, one of the most athletic players in the draft? Yeah, it's, it's a good good spot for him. I, you know, you're starting to split up balls now. You spend a lot of money, you know, and trade cap, you know, not, not that much trade capital, but bringing in Antonio Brown, then you spend a lot of money on Tyrell Williams. Like you don't, you only have so many balls to go around. So do you really want to make a tight end your first round pick, especially in a class that everybody says is really deep at tight end? So maybe if you're the Raiders, you start looking at a couple different guys later in the draft that could do some things for you that don't have to come out and be a, a number one receiving option. Um, you know, we're going to talk about a, an inside linebacker here in a minute that I think would have been a perfect fit for this this pick for them after trading up from 17 they they would have been surprised to have him available at 17 and i think that would have been a, a great job taking devin white here and uh, remaking their defense and kind of building the defense around him oh, that's that's a good point uh well but you know what you're not the gm uh i am ryan you are the gm of the minnesota vikings i'm john gruden damn it 
Uh, I love that you're John Gruden just telling Mike Mayock there that he's yeah, not the GM yeah. anymore. Nice, <laughs> nice plan. Nice plan, Mayock. Give me some. Give me another weapon. Uh, all right, you are uh, you are the Minnesota Vikings, Ryan, at number eighteen. Is it a fair to say that you were penciling in every mock draft the Vikings take an offensive lineman? I think I may have had them taking a tight end at some point, and maybe even um, a linebacker at some other point. But this time, I had them taking uh, an offensive lineman, Jonah Williams, left tackle out of Alabama, who I like a lot. Some people don't love him as much as I do. He'll probably end up on the right side uh, in the NFL, and he there's even conversations about a moving inside, so he offers that versatility at the next level. And uh, Kirk Cousins took a beating last year, and if you're going to pay him $85 million guaranteed, I believe it was, and during the second year of that, you might want to protect him. So Jonah Williams headed to Minnesota. Yeah, and if he works as a right tackle, great. You know, they need a right tackle. If he doesn't, you have to move him and sign a guard, great. You need a guard, too. I mean, the Vikings are, have a terrible offensive line, and they need to fill multiple spots on that offensive line. So take him, and whichever one he shows better at, that's that's where you start him, because you need both. If the Vikings don't take an offensive lineman in the first round, the fans should riot. <laughs> Kirk Cousins should riot, too. Yeah. That's why you get that guaranteed contract. <laughs> um. Baltimore, you're on the clock, uh, RJ. Oh, a trade here. Dude, uh, I this has been, uh, this, so you traded with Tom. Okay, good. I was like, did I trade with you? Uh, who, who offered who? Walk me through the deal. Yeah, Tom, I, I was trying to move up starting with, I think, number 16. You, 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 uh, you pushed me aside and you, so you could take, um, uh, Dexter Lawrence for Carolina, but I wanted to move up from Baltimore to try to get Devin White when he was falling out of the top 15 because he is a stud middle linebacker. He's the perfect guy that you want to bring in and replace C.J. Mosley. I think he's going to do a lot of things for them um, with that pick. So what I did is I offered – I was offering you a couple picks to move up to 16 when that didn't work and I got to 19. I ended up offering Tom the uh, 113th pick plus the 22nd pick to go up to 19. That 113th pick is what they got for Joe Flacco. So they're able to turn Joe Flacco into moving up over the Steelers and getting a guy that I think the Steelers could really – Used to in Devin White. Um, you know, I think some people consider him a top five player in the draft. You know, the, the position is devalued nowadays. We saw Roquan Smith go in the top 10, though. Um, I, I'd be shocked if he got out of the top 12. I think he's still getting better wow. in his position. And, and when you go to Baltimore, that's a place that has cranked out a lot of great defensive players. So that's a guy that can, that's a franchise that's going to help him maximize his talent. So losing Mosley is huge. I think this goes a long way to addressing that when you get that kind of caliber player in here. Along with Earl Thomas, by the way, this defense lost the edge rushers, um, Smith and Terrell Suggs went to Arizona. But Devin White and Earl Thomas ain't a bad constellation prize. There's also some other things to do, but I hate this pick as a Steelers fan. <laughs> well, that, that's all you need to know is if that's the litmus test, by the way, if the, if the Steeler, if a Steelers fan hates a Ravens pick, you know that you, uh, you know that you did a good job. All right. Uh, speaking of the Steelers, I was up at, uh, number 20. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm Kevin Colbert and, I'm thinking, yeah, man. Boo. I was pre, pre cursory booing. Boo. Well, you know what I did? I was like, oh, cool. I'm Ryan's team. Uh, I want to take a cornerback. I'm going to take the cornerback that Ryan doesn't like. Uh, I'm going to take the cornerback that's second in Ryan's rankings just to be like, it's a pure spite play. Um, you know, it's like, by the way, if the Ravens trade up and get Devin White and this pick comes down next, Steelers fans will not be happy. <laughs> Do you think the Steelers fans want Devin White? Is that what you're saying? A hundred percent. And they wouldn't want this pick next. Uh, Greedy Williams, cornerback at LSU. What? What's wrong with Greedy Williams? Too greedy? Uh, Tom can speak to this, but I have yet to see him tackle anybody. <laughs> He's not tough enough for Pittsburgh. That's right. <laughs> He's too much Deion Sanders, not enough run-tackling Nickelback. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's, he's too fast. He ran a four-three-seven, I think. But he doesn't tackle anyone, and you watch him play, and sometimes you're like, does he even want to be out there? And I think we talked about this with Chip last month, but maybe that changes when 
he's getting paid to do his job, and I understand that on some level. But there are other players I think would have been better fits here at number 20. Okay. All right. Uh, RJ, do you, you have a problem with me taking Greedy Williams here? Uh, the one thing I will say is they signed Steven Nelson, um, you know, three-year deal, I think it was, and I think he's a good fit. He had a good year in, in Kansas City. I know that defense gets trashed for, for not covering anyone, but he was a solid player when you look at the PFF ratings. I think he, he's obviously a huge upgrade over Artie Burns in Pittsburgh. So it, it makes cornerback less of a need. I do think that if you are the Steelers and you're scouting these guys and you see the tape on Greedy Williams, that, that kind of is the impetus to go out there and sign Steven Nelson because <laughs> you don't want to use his pick on Greedy Williams. Um, so I, you know, I'd be fine if they went with a different corner, maybe Byron Murphy. Um, I think there's there's bigger need positions for a team that wants to compete for titles. I think you could go Devin Bush, you know, at, at linebacker since Devin White got stolen, or a few other positions, and that wouldn't shock me either. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the pick. You know, we'll see how greedy he is on the pro level and see if a team can get the most out of him. Um, I was gonna take Byron Murphy, but I was like, nah, I'm gonna spite Ryan. It's Friday night. I don't I don't mind I don't mind messing with Ryan. All right, uh, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna go. We're gonna finish up the draft. Uh, in tomorrow's episode, now we are going to, uh, take a, take a break and end the podcast, but we will, here's a recap real quick. 10, Detroit, Rashawn Gary at a, a trade with Denver. 11, Cincinnati, DK Metcalf. I had half these picks, they're all terrible. Buffalo at 12, takes Brian Burns. 13, Ryan takes Drew Locke out of Missouri for the Miami Dolphins. 14, Cleveland Farrell to the Atlanta Falcons. 15, Inkeel Harry to the Redskins. 16, Dexter Lawrence to the Panthers. 17, Noah Fant to the Oakland Raiders. 18, Jonah Williams to the Vikings, 19, Devin White to the Ravens, and 20, Greedy Williams to the Pittsburgh Steelers.